0: Uh, we've been in the middle of this month doing a series called Contenders and Pretenders, and we're looking at the lives of some of the kings that were in the Bible. And uh, last week we, we talked about uh, the life of Saul and some things that Saul didn't learn that didn't uh, change his life, and he ended up losing the kingdom because of it. And we've, we've encouraged ourselves by thinking, man, if God could do something and move in the land with those guys in charge, there's hope for us. That he can still move in our lives regardless of what happens and what we do. And uh, there are things that are written in the Old Testament that we need to look at to be encouraged, to see truth, and to learn from in our lives. So that's why we're looking at these verses, uh, these stories. And today I want to share a little bit about King David. Uh, How many of you are familiar with the life of David? There is so much in there to learn from and to understand and to, to see and to grow from what David went through that I'm only going to scratch the surface today. We're, we're going to talk about David's life some more in the coming weeks, but today we're going to talk about the process he went through to get to be king. And uh, our story left off last week. Have you, ever, have you ever waited for a plan to work out in your life? You, you thought, man, when's this going to happen? You know, they hired me. I should be promoted already. I should be in charge already. How many of you have ever gotten tired of waiting for a plan to happen? You just, you just think, man, this isn't. I've, we've gone on five dates already. I thought we'd be married by now. <laughs> All right, maybe not that quickly. Right. There's things that we're waiting for in our life, and we're waiting for the plan to come to pass. And I was thinking one of the best things, if you're from Pittsburgh and you're a baseball fan, right. you understand waiting for the plan to work out. How many of you in this room, if you, here's a, this is a crazy thought this morning. If you are under the age of 42, you were not alive the last time the Pirates won the World Series. Can you believe that? 1979 is the last year the Pirates uh, won the World Series. And how many of you know, we've been hearing for years as Pittsburgh baseball fans, there's a plan. We're working on it. We're in, the, we're in a perpetual rebuilding mode. It's coming next year. There's a plan that they say they're working, but how many of you know it's frustrating to wait on it, to see it happen? And, and sometimes we feel that way in our lives, whether it's work or relationships or whatever's panning out. We thought, I have a plan. Why isn't it happening? And I want to encourage you this morning be patient, keep listening to God. He does have a plan. Whether you see it or not, his timing may be different than what you expect. His measure of success may be different than what you expect. But don't give up on it. If you've got a plan, believe that God is doing it. So last week when we left off, Samuel was distraught about Saul being rejected as king. It said he went home, he cried all night. How many of you have ever spent a night crying about your plan that didn't work out? That's where Samuel was. He was crying all night. God, I thought Saul was going to do it. I anointed him, I kissed him, I set him up in front of everybody, and then you rejected him. And this is what happened. Uh, Samuel was visited by the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, starting at verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. Sometimes we have a plan that we think it's going to be great. And then something happens that we realize it's not going to work out that way. And God maybe even, he has a different plan in mind. He's got something else he wants to have happen. But how many of us would love to have back the time that we've wasted wallowing in self-pity because a plan didn't work out. There's there's some of us, it may be days, weeks, months, it may be years that we've gotten stuck and we've just said, man, I'm so upset that this didn't work out. I have a hard time moving forward because that's the plan I thought was going to happen. That's the one I wanted to happen, but it wasn't necessarily what God wanted to have happen. And God visits Samuel. He literally comes to him and gives him a little kick in the butt and says, what are you doing? you spent more than enough time mourning over this plan that didn't work out. And in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, some of us need to hear, what are you doing? You've spent more than enough time mourning over the plan that didn't work out. It's time to get up and be on your way. God's saying, I've got something different for you. I've got a better plan for you. Get up and move out of where you are because there's something that I have to come to pass. And that's exactly what God did for Samuel here. And so Samuel gets up, and uh, if you remember last week's story, Saul's dad was named Kish. And it says Kish was a prominent Israelite, and Saul was head and shoulders. You remember we said he's the Tom Brady of Israelite kings. He was the most handsome, the best looking, head and shoulders above everybody else. Well, when God sent Samuel to Saul's house, it says, Here's Kish, a prominent Israelite. But this time he says, Go to Jesse in this little town of Bethlehem. Doesn't say he had stature, didn't say he had standing. He wasn't the most famous Israelite in all the land. But whereas before, people were looking on the outside and they thought Saul was it, now God says, go see Jesse in Bethlehem. And uh, tradition holds that Jesse was a weaver. So he either made clothes or he made curtains for the temple. It wasn't a super glamorous job, but he goes to see Jesse. And uh, when God talks to Samuel and says, it's time to go see Jesse... He says, but, but God, there's still a king. Remember, remember his name Saul? And if he hears that I'm going to go anoint another king while he's still king, he's going to kill me. What? Did you ever get worried or afraid of the old plan that you were trying to leave behind? When it was time to move into a new plan? Or maybe you got saved and you were wondering, what are my friends going to think? The people that I used to hang out with, the people that I used to go to places that I don't want to go to anymore, what are they going to think about me when I start working this new plan that God has for me? That's, that's kind of where Samuel was. Hey, if, if Saul hears about it, if the people from the old plan hear what I'm doing, they're going to kill me. And God says, don't worry about it. I've got this. And it's the same thing today. Don't be in fear of the old plan that, that didn't work out in your life or the plan that you made in your own strength or the things that you left behind. Don't be afraid of those things because God has something better for you. The old plan can't stop God's plan. Can we just say it that way? Look at your neighbor say, the old plan can't stop God's plan. We need need to know that. So God God gives Samuel a cover story. He says, take a bull with you. Tell him you're coming to offer a sacrifice. Tell him you're going to have a big meal and celebrate. That's why I was going to Jesse's house. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was just bringing a cow. And so he goes on his way. He meets Jesse. And he says, Jesse, have your sons get together. We're going to sacrifice. We're going to eat together. And here's, man, there's an amen for you. What's up, buddy? How many of you know, part of the walk of faith that we're all on is God doesn't always give you all the details right. he told Samuel he said go to Jesse's house one of his sons is going to be king and that's where he left it and sometimes we feel like that with God he gives us pieces of the plan but he doesn't give us the whole picture we don't see all the details but what God is interested in is take a step towards that plan just just get up and do the part that you know What's, here's, here's a great question to go back if you're having time with God this week and you feel like you've been stuck or you're wondering what's next what is the last thing that you know for certain that God told you and then take a step towards that because we, sometimes we get impatient we're, we're Americans, we have microwaves we don't want to wait more than two minutes for something and sometimes we get the pieces of the puzzle and God says just take a step I'm not going to give you the rest of it till you get there and that's kind of where Samuel was. He said, go to Jesse's house. It's going to be one of his sons, but he didn't know which one. So Samuel has Jesse parade all of his sons before him. And I don't know, have you ever wondered what that looked like? Was it, was it like a Miss America pageant or something? Did they ask all Jesse's sons, like, what do you want? And he's like, I want world peace. That's what's going to qualify me to be king. I don't know what it looked like, but he starts having this parade. He brings all the sons out before him. And starting with the oldest and the, the strongest, the biggest. And it says this in 1 Samuel 16, 6. It says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, who was the oldest, the firstborn of Jesse's sons. And Samuel thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. I think in that moment, the firstborn walked past and it kind of reminded Samuel of Saul. He's like, he looks great. You know, He's strong, he's older, he's part of the family business already. If they were weavers, he probably had on a really cool outfit that he had made. He was, he was in the family line, and he's looking at the outside thinking, this has to be the guy. We have a tendency to find a formula that worked once, and we keep trying to repeat it in our lives. Have you ever been on that treadmill? I did this this way 22 years ago and god moved and so i've been trying to do that ever since and i'm not getting the same results and i don't know why can i tell you god can't be boiled down to a formula he he has a relationship with us where he does things differently sometimes that's part of knowing him and growing in who we are is we have to say god what are you doing now in this moment in this season and samuel had looked at him and said hey you got to be the guy because you look just like the last guy And Samuel needed to break out of his old mindset. Come on, here's a prophet, the man of God who talked with God and heard his voice. None of his words fell to the ground. And he needed to break some of his old thinking to move into a new season. And that's why I want to tell you, you can't enter into a new season with old season thinking. Sometimes we, we just get thinking, oh, it's got to be this way all the time. I figured God out. If I do A, B, C, he does one, two, three. And it's not like that at all. And sometimes we need to change what's going on right between our ears. The Bible prioritizes renewing our minds because that's how we grow. That's how we change. Old thinking will get you stuck just as soon as anybody else. Thank you for that. You're right come on, there may be people around us that we're trying to blame. Oh, I'm stuck in this situation because they're doing this to me or the boss is doing this or they're holding me back. And sometimes it really is just, I need to change what's going on up here to move forward into what God has for me. So in 1 Samuel 16, 7, uh, it says, the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance But the Lord looks at the heart. Come on, here's the prophet of God. No matter how long we've walked with God, we still need to learn. And this is a teachable moment for Samuel. This This is an eternal truth in scripture that still holds today and still works in our lives. That God has a different way to measure what's important. He doesn't look at things on the outside. He looks at what's going on in our hearts He looks at the inside of people, our motives and our understanding, what we're thinking, what we're doing, not just the outward appearance. People look on the outside. They think, oh, you would be great for this role. Look how awesome you look. And God's looking at what's going on in our hearts. And I will say that character growth will always change your external circumstances. But external changes first don't guarantee internal change and growth. I'll say that one more time just slowly to unpack it. Whenever you decide, I'm going to work on what's going on in here, I'm going to set my heart towards the Lord, I want to grow, I want to expand, something changes inside, and then all of a sudden your circumstances will shift. Because you're different. God has grown you, your faith has risen. Whatever, whatever it is he's working on and growing, something on the outside will change if you purpose to change what's going on, on the inside. The opposite is not true. And that's where a lot of people get stuck, is they think, I'm going to change my external circumstances first. I'm frustrated, so I'm going to find a change of scenery. I'm going to get a new job. I'm going to move to a different town. How many of you have known somebody that they've moved jobs, they've moved towns, they've done something different, and the same problems are at their new place? Why is that? Because the problems were in here. And when they moved, the problems went with them. And that's what I mean by that. External changes don't guarantee internal growth. There's something we have to work on in here first before we expect things to change. So Jesse starts having his sons come past. Eliab, Saul's, Samuel says, Oh, God's not choosing him. Let's get the next one up here. Seven times he has sons parade before Samuel. And none of them are the guy. Every time one comes out, the God says to Samuel, That's not him. Let's see who's next. In 1 Samuel sixteen eleven, after all the sons that were there, all seven of them walked past, it says Samuel asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? Can you imagine... Having to ask that question. You're you're the prophet. You're the man of God. You you gave him specific instructions. Every one of your sons, I want all your kids here. You're going to walk past me. It's one of them. And then the end of the line comes and Samuel's like, is that it? Not only can you imagine having to ask that question, can you imagine that question being asked of you? Oh, did I forget one of them? I've been... uh in my youth, I guess, yeah, whatever it was, you're thinking, I didn't. Jesse fesses up. He says, there is one more. They're still the youngest, but he's out tending the sheep. David wasn't part of the family business. He wasn't there with the other brothers. He wasn't wearing the cool clothes or making curtains. He was out tending the sheep. Hey, we, we give him the dirty work. We give him the grunt work, and he's just a little runt. Did you ever wonder why Jesse didn't bring him out? What was, what was going on that when the prophet called him and said, get all your sons here right now, that he didn't think to bring David? Well, this is not specifically in Scripture, but I'll give you some insight. There's rabbinic tradition holds that David was actually the product of an affair that Jesse had had an affair outside of his marriage with his wife that produced those seven sons, and that's where David came from. That's what the rabbis and the scholars say. And so when, when you read a scripture in Psalm 51, like David saying, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me, it puts it in a whole new light. Maybe he's not talking about all of the human condition. He was talking about how he got here. He says, I was brought forth in iniquity. And so there's Jesse saying, Oh here's my sons over here, that one I don't like to think about. He's out in the field with the sheep. And whether, whether that's true or not, whether you can prove it, all I know is sometimes the things that we are ashamed of are exactly the things that God will use. Amen. Thank God Thank God for that. Because we've all done a lot of things that we're ashamed of. There are things, there are things that we would never mention in this room in, in nice company with all their church friends. Hey, what's going on in your life? And all we talk about, oh, here are the great things. Here's how our marriage is great. The kids are doing wonderful. Oh, our job is fun. Like, we talk about all those things, but there's things that we're embarrassed about that we would never say to anybody. And sometimes we need to remember that might be exactly what God wants to use to help somebody else. I'll, I'll guarantee that there are things that you have walked through in your life that somebody else might need to hear because it would encourage them. Don't stay in that place where you're embarrassed about. Ask God to help you overcome it, to deliver you, to get you out further and beyond where you are right now. But don't ever forget that place you came from. And in those moments, here's Jesse thinking, "That's, that's the kid I'm embarrassed and ashamed of. And God says, that's exactly who I want to lead my people. He's a man after my heart. Come on, think about it. God is a redeemer of all things. He's not just a redeemer of your past or he's not just a redeemer of like, oh, you know, that relationship I had that five minutes ago, whatever. Everything in your entire life that you've ever done, he is a redeemer and he will use every bit of it. So it says in 1 Samuel 16, 13, that, that clued in Samuel. He says, hey, we're not gonna sit down. We're gonna stand up until you go find David out in the sheep pen and you bring him back here. He's the one. Come on, think about that. He didn't even see him yet. And God said, that's the guy. All these other people walk past him and Samuel's looking at the external stuff. He doesn't even have to see David and God tells him, he's the one. Get ready to anoint him. And it says in verse 13 of chapter 16, "As David stood there among his brothers. How cool is that? That you're getting honored. In the middle of your family, that you were the runt, you were the outcast, you were the one nobody talked about, put him out with the sheep. In the middle of that group of people, God says, you're my chosen one. It says, as he stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil that he had brought and he anointed David with the oil and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. The prophet just went home. Like, there you go, you're anointed to be the king of Israel now, I'll see you later. Like, shouldn't we celebrate or don't I get to go to a palace now? Like, what's gonna happen David, at that moment, he got anointed. They poured the oil on his head. He received everything that he needed to walk into his destiny in that moment. Remember last week, we said, your calling always comes with the anointing to do it. But the anointing didn't take David straight to the palace. It sent him back out to the sheep pen. Remember last week when we talked about Saul, even after Saul screwed up, he was king for 40 years. As long as it's been since the Pirates won that World Series. That's how long David had to wait from when he was anointed until when he came into the palace. That's a long time. Most of us would give up after two weeks. Like, hey, I just got anointed to be king. Where's, where's the chariot coming to pick me up and take me to the palace? And it says David went back to tend the sheep. And I don't think that's all he was doing. He went, he went back to the field to practice that secret cord that he played before the Lord, come on, hallelujah, Uh, my music jokes are lost on the crowd, what was that secret chord anyway, he's like, and God's like, whoa, (laughs) oh my gosh, we're getting so sidetracked right here. Come on, David had a word from God. You're going to be the king of Israel, but he didn't know the timing of God. And that's what trips us up a lot as Christians. We get a word from God, man, the prophet came and he said something. Somebody in church told me this. This is my destiny. I know it. And we get out of timing because we try to force it and we're not patient to go through the process. Because I'll tell you, that's, that's part of the truth that's in this verse. Anointing doesn't bypass the process. It enables you to go through it. Because God wants to grow something in us. He wants to develop something in us. And it can be dangerous to put somebody in a position of being a king if they haven't been a sheepkeeper first. If you're not willing to do the stuff that nobody sees, if you're not willing to go behind the scenes, if you're not willing to lay down your life, life for people that can't help themselves, because that's really what sheep are. They needed to be led. They needed to say, here's a place to eat. Here's, I'll protect you from the dangers and the wolves and the bears. If we're not willing to do those things when nobody sees us, it's really hard to get put in a place where everybody sees you because we haven't gone through the process to let God work those character flaws out of us and to become people of integrity. Man, God, I was anointed to be king, and here I am, I'm still in the sheep pen, I'm still fighting off the lions and bears, I'm still suffering. And it says that the Holy Spirit came upon David in power from that day forward. That's pretty cool because he's living in the old covenant when God hadn't poured out his spirit on all people yet. This, this would be like I'm going through life dry. I don't know what's happening. How do I even follow God? I can't do what I want to do. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes upon David and his life is supercharged. And it says that actually when the Holy Spirit came upon David, when he received the anointing to be king, right after that, the next couple verses, it says, meanwhile the spirit the holy spirit had left saul and he began to be tormented by an evil spirit thank god we live in the new covenant that's not how the holy spirit works today there's there's no give backs when god poured his holy spirit out upon you he's not saying oh i need to give more to tyler so i'm going to take some away from frank today But back then, living into that that covenant that they were in, Saul had been anointed to be king. When he disobeyed, he lost the kingdom, and the Holy Spirit withdrew from him. It says an evil spirit began to torment him from that day forward. And one of Saul's servants suggested, why don't we get this guy David to come minister to you? Maybe it'll calm things down. He'll worship, he'll play his harp, and you'll be able to be at peace. Scripture doesn't say if Saul or his servants knew that David had been anointed yet. It doesn't say, oh, we we heard word that Samuel poured oil all over you. But God's anointing will put favor on your life and open doors for you. And there are things, I believe there are things we should expect to happen in our lives because we have the favor and the anointing of God on us. And I will say also that David wasn't sitting around doing nothing. When he got that anointing and they said, you're going to be king one day, he didn't go back and just say, okay, all I'm going to do is be the best sheep tender I can be. Is that even a word? Sheep tender? Is that the right name for it? Shepherd? Um, this is what it says. When the servants came to Saul, one of the servants said in 1 Samuel 16:18, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and he has good judgment. He's also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him how's that for a resume man I'd like to be known for that maybe not the heart part but I'd like to be known as a man of war good-looking fine young man and this is before he killed Goliath no mention of a shepherd in this verse no mention of like hey he's a great sheep herder it says he's a man of war he has good judgment he's a brave warrior somehow David went from shepherd boy to man of war While he's waiting for God to fulfill what he's been anointed to do, while he's waiting for that word to come to pass, he's putting his hands to something. I'm going to train myself. I'm going to begin to be a worshiper. I'm going to begin to fight. I'm going to begin to train my hands for battle. In fact, that's one of the Psalms that David wrote to the Lord. He says, you trained my hands for battle. All that time I'm out in the sheep pen, I'm not just sitting there watching sheep. I'm taking steps towards what God has anointed and called me to do. Calling and anointing release potential in our lives. But it is just potential. There are steps that I believe we need to take to cooperate with what God wants to do in our lives, what the Holy Spirit's wanting to do. When God gives you a word, take steps towards it to prepare yourself. And believe that as you're walking, as I'm preparing myself for more than what I'm doing right now, God's going to open doors and get me into the places I need to be. And that's exactly what happened. Saul sent for David. David came and played the harp. I don't know if he played Saul the secret court or if that was just for the Lord. But he came and played the harp and Saul's mind was at peace. It says the peace of God just settled back upon him. The evil spirit stopped tormenting him. And this is what happened. Saul wanted David to stay. He liked him so much. 1 Samuel 16, 21, it says David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much and David became his armor bearer. Shepherd boy, hiding in the field because his dad was too embarrassed to even bring him with the rest of the sons, became the armor bearer for the king of Israel. Saul sent a note to Jesse saying, your son is so awesome, can I keep him? That's pretty amazing. That's the kind of thing that the anointing on our lives will do, that it will open doors and get us into places that God wants us to be. Jesse was so excited, he sent David back to Saul with, uh, I call them pictures of Jesus. He said he sent him with a young goat loaded with bread and wine. Like even there in the Old Covenant, they had an understanding of this is... This is something that's going to mean something one day. And so David, when, when we let God change us, he will even begin to give us favor with people who were part of the old plan. Have you ever had an opportunity to go back and witness to or just be Jesus to the people that you used to know before you were saved? Sometimes when we get in touch with what God wants to do in our lives and we let him begin to work on us, He'll open the doors that even those people will receive from us. That's what I want to get to today. like, Like I said, David has so much to unpack that this is only the part of getting him up to being king. We haven't even talked about Goliath and Bathsheba and all the rest of the stories. We'll talk about a couple next week of some of the pitfalls, some of the successes that David had that we could learn about. But today I just want to leave you with this thought. Take a next step. Whatever you feel like God has put on your life, he's given you a dream, or he's, you've got calling or destiny on your life, whatever you think it is that God wants you to move towards, take a step towards that this week. I don't know what it looks like for you. It may be, oh, I need to take a class. I need to go back to school. Can I share your story, Craig? No, just nod at me. Craig, Craig was doing one thing, and his wife Amy asked him, hey, what would you do tomorrow if you had no hindrances, nothing you could do? He says, I'd be a teacher. And then they had the conversation. Well, what do we need to do to make that happen? How many of you know you don't get to be a teacher, you don't get to change careers by sitting at home on your couch thinking, I'd like to do that one day. You have to take steps towards it. So he signed up for classes and went back to school. There are things all the time that God has in our lives that I want you to be here. I've spoken this over you. I've put this destiny on your life. I've declared these things over you. I've given you prophetic words. And we can't just sit back and wait. We need to take a step towards what He has for us. So I'm just, I'm going to leave you guys with that. I encourage you this week, sit down, talk with God about, here's the dreams, here's the calling on my life, here's what I think you want to move me towards, Lord. What's the next step that I need to do to cooperate with what you want to do in my life? How many of you think we could do that this week? That doesn't sound terribly hard, does it? I I got five hands in the room, so... Some of us will take that step this week and then the rest of you will cheer us on. I think this is, that's a process that we should continually do in our lives. There, there ought to be seasons where we take stock of, Lord, how am I doing? Where am I on the place towards where you want me to be ultimately? And what do I need to do next to, to move towards that? If there's... And there's people that we meet. You, you may be in this room or you may be watching online that maybe that next step you need to take towards what God has for you is just starting a relationship with Jesus. I don't know everybody in the room, and I definitely don't know everybody watching online. If you're in that place where, it's, where you're thinking, I don't even know where to go next, and I don't know Jesus, that's a good first step for you right now today. Just to say, Lord, I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died on the cross for me, and that you have a plan for my life. That's the first step towards knowing what that plan is and walking in it, is just saying, Jesus, you are my Lord, I believe. And if you need to make that real in your heart today or you're watching online, just do take a second to do that right now and let somebody know, before you leave this moment this afternoon, move on to other plans, just let somebody know, I said yes to Jesus. He really can forgive our past and redeem our future. What an amazing God we serve. We're going to pray together in just a second, but I, I was just going to share what we have for the dads today. We have a gift for the dads today. If women, if you were with us uh, for Mother's Day, you got cool bracelets. We did not make cool bracelets for the guys. Sorry if that lets any of the guys down. Guys are meat and potatoes, guys. So we have a little gift in the foyer that has jerky and Pringles in it for all the guys. And just a note to say we appreciate you. So on Father's Day, you can say you came to church and you got some meat and potatoes. And that's, that's what we... Uh, We just want to bless you, and it's a small token to say we appreciate the guys in this room and who you are at New Life Fellowship, who you are in the communities and the families you go back to every day. So make sure you get some meat and potatoes on the way out. The ushers will be back there to hand them out. Let's go ahead and stand together. get stuck because we think it's got to be some big huge thing like like talking about changing a career or moving to another city or some big life event and sometimes it's little things that god just says here's here's what i want to work on this afternoon here's here's a gift and a talent i've given you that i just i want you to refine it maybe can i just say this here's here's a great example maybe you felt in your heart for years god's called me to play the keys and sing on the worship team but you've never taken a piano lesson in your entire life. A good next step would be figure out how to play the piano. Something like that. They don't have to be huge things. They might be small things. Uh, It might be encouragements from the Lord of how to be a better brother, sister, husband, dad, family member. I don't know what it is. But don't discount God wanting to grow us, to change us, to move in our hearts and move us towards our destiny just because you think it has to be something huge. Lord, we come before you right now with our hearts open towards you. Thank you that on this Father's Day, whether whether we had good fathers in the natural or not, whether our dads are still here or not, you are the best father that we could ever have. We put our hearts and our trust in you. And Lord, I ask right now that as we're in this moment before you in your presence, before we even leave this place, begin to speak to us right now about where you want us to take steps towards our destiny, towards the things you've called us to do, towards the people that you've called us to be. I just feel like there's that's a really good moment just to pause and say sometimes it's not about what we do it's who we are that God wants to grow us and move us towards so Lord we, we just ask for that whatever it looks like whatever area it may be that we need to take a next step we just ask that you would speak to our hearts even right now thank you for your gentle voice and your leading that moves us forward God our, our desire is to be witnesses for you that the places we go, the people we interact with, that we would look and sound like you, Lord Jesus. God, bless us even as we leave this place. I thank you that there is power. Even as, as David in the Old Covenant got to have the power of the Holy Spirit come upon him, I thank you that that's available for every one of us right now because we're on this side of the cross. Lord, empower us as we leave this place, that we don't just have unattainable goals or things that we can never change but you're with us to help us to empower us to do those things so lord i ask right now that as we leave here that you would be the one that pushes us that moves us upward onward forward that you have better for us god bless your people indeed let your goodness be all over our lives let your mercy be something that we've known and tasted that we experience every single day Let the favor of God be upon our lives to such a degree that the people around us see it and ask about it. Lord, we just say that we love you. We honor you right now. In Jesus' name, amen.